It's August 3rd, 2023, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to the sweltering hell that this summer has turned out to be. I just got back on Sunday from visiting my in-laws in Colorado, and it was getting into the 60s at night, like low 60s at night. And then, of course, we step out of the car and we get here, and it's like, oh, yep, we're back in hell. Oh, man, that seems so nice. Like, I, I, I wish you would bring some of that 60-degree weather back to Texas with you when you came back. I would, I would have been happy to. It was so, so nice and and got a little cloudy every afternoon and sometimes rained. And of course we did nothing. I mean, honestly, we really didn't do a lot, which is perfect because we, we needed to get away, but gosh, yeah, to come back here is just, just hope everyone is surviving, surviving this. And especially, and we'll talk about something today that I think, you know, in a hundred plus degree heat, um, you're really going to <laughs> probably really grasp onto this pretty quickly because because you know last time the last podcast we we talked about the importance of zoning and the impact that it had on various scales of life in cities and in suburbs from you know whether that's inflating the local home prices to larger issues such as climate change and and trying to zone zone places so that they were i guess easier to use or more things accessible to you. So what we wanted to do was to kind of can take that forward a little bit and look at this sort of from the idea or the, the view of sports stadiums and really what from as, I guess a zoning perspective, but maybe also a land use perspective. And I, I don't, there's that sort of, are they really the same thing? I don't know, but, <laughs> uh, but really from a land use perspective, perspective and, and a little bit about zoning because what what is it we can take away from that what is it that we can learn from them because for for me and matthew we live in well we live in dallas now but i grew up in arlington and that meant the texas rangers and that meant of course the dallas cowboys at the time their stadium was in irving but every time what, what's what's been the experience if you're going to come see a, a baseball game or a dallas cowboys game because you're going to be in arlington doing it what's the experience yeah, it's not it's not great. So Arlington has zero public transit. Just throwing that out there for starters. Ding ding ding. <laughs> yeah, oh definitely. Um, so everybody is completely car dependent on getting into and out of the ballpark uh by car. So there's a lot of traffic. Um there is about a five to six square mile section of Arlington that is dedicated to nothing but stadiums and parking. And, and it's, it's amazing. You look at that map, that aerial map on Google maps, and it is just a sea of parking lots. And so after you fought traffic for an hour, because it takes it takes about an hour to get to Arlington from wherever you're coming from. After you fought that all that traffic to get into the stadium, then you have to go find a parking place. But ten thousand other people have already beat you to all of those really close spots, so you're going to be parking at least 20, 30 minutes away. 
and then you have a long walk to the stadium from your distant parking spot, which hopefully you remember where, remembered where you parked. Um, so then, so there's all that heat, you know, you're walking around in hundred degree weather, especially for some of these day games. And it's, it is absolutely miserable. Like there's, well, and did we mention that there's no shade along any of these routes either? I mean, there are some landscape trees as you get closer towards the stadium, but for the first 15, 20 minutes of your walk, there is nothing but asphalt between you and your destination. Yeah, I, I, I always think back to, so, so Arlington, in addition to, so in addition to at Stadium and Globe Life Stadium and Globe Life Park, so there's three stadiums for sports all clumped together. But there's also Six Flags Over Texas, which has its own gigantic parking lot. I can remember as a kid, you know, when we would go as a family having to park in their parking lot. And it was just took forever, it seemed like. And, of course, it's in the summertime. It's hot already. And the other thing, too, is and the factor here is is it's already hot outside. That heat's been heating up all that pavement. And now I've got to walk across all that hot pavement to get to where I'm going. It's just just not really a pleasant thing. So yeah, I, I think you and I both have had that similar experience of you go there and, and once you've endured all the traffic and finally get to park, I now have to actually get to the stadium. And, and then, and not only that, but like, because the Rangers have kind of sucked for as long as they have uh, up until recently, I don't, I, I don't understand this competitive streak lately that they've been on, but <laughs> so we, we'd get there late because of all the traffic and the parking and all that other stuff so we but then on top of that we always left an inning or two early so that we didn't have that the same uh, similar miserable experience getting out of the stadium being in the stadium was fine uh, like we you had a good time it's always a good environment in the stadium when you're there but you know it, the, the experience was kind of bookended by the, the really bad experience getting into and out of. And it, and it really just, it makes it inconvenient at best. And at worst, it just makes you want to stay home and watch it on TV so that you don't have to deal with all of that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I, well, I, I probably would anyway, assuming I watched the sports ball. But yeah, it's uh, to, to, you know, the ideally you have a great experience, but it's just that sort of weird bookend of, of things. And I don't, I don't know what the planning process is for most of this because most of these stadiums, a lot of stadiums are simply put somewhere around a sea of parking. I'm not a big fan of cities. Um, not a big fan of cities paying for sports stadiums. And somehow we always seem to. And I grew up in Arlington, so it's really frustrating for me, especially to know that there are neighborhoods that are gone now because we need the parking. I think the the real, for me, I think the real crime here is that we've taken up all that real estate and we've created this experience for everyone, except that real estate isn't used a lot for other things. It isn't used a lot throughout the year. So you have, you know, we, AT&T Stadium will host football games and various events, concerts and whatnot, but it's not something that gets used on a daily basis. So now I have fields of parking that are just sitting there empty. By contrast, if you think about this, this is, if you go to any decently large college, college campus with a football team, the experience on the campus before 
during and after a football game is very different. And part of that, or I guess the biggest part of that, is people live near the stadium. The students live near the stadium. So it's so much easier to meet up with your friends, either meet up before, you meet after, or both. <laughs> I imagine a lot of people I knew did both because the stadium is near enough to it's, it's you walk across the street and there's bars and restaurants. There's transit on campus, so it's easy to get to. It's just all this stuff. And and even if you're walking back to your car, you know, sometimes that may be a 10 to, 10 to 20 minute stroll versus 30 to 40 minute hike at a professional sports stadium. So we're a pro level stadium anyway. So a college game day experience is much more enjoyable just because of the fact that you have this neighborhood that surrounds a stadium. And I mean, like I would tell you now, and the college campus is huge, but still you could leave the stadium and walk not maybe, maybe 10 minutes and walk across the street and there's restaurants and bars. How hard is that? <laughs> but if you go to Arlington, if you go to AT&T stadium, that's not the experience you have. And that really is that, that contrast between between the two that, you know, you, you have something, the planning has been done differently. Why are we comparing and contrasting the experience of different sports venues? And it's because the difference between the two highlights a key feature of planning and zoning that people are attracted to and they don't even know it. And, and, and that, that's what I think is actually really cool about this because college game day is a more enjoyable experience because it is situated in the only walkable city that most people in the U.S., if you don't travel, will ever live in or experience. And and I'll just throw some data out there because I'm that type of geek. As of 2021, the percentage of working age adults, you know, 25 through 64, in the U.S. with a college degree or similar post-secondary education was 53%. So that means half of the working population in the U.S. has experienced a walkable city. But college campuses really are that walkable city. And, and for if you have any question at all about what a walkable city really is, it really is just um, all it means is that the amenities that you use, the things you go to every day, the places you, you frequent are all accessible by foot. So you don't have to have a car. You don't even necessarily have to have public transport, but you can get there just by walking. And all the benefits that come from that, from better health, um, better neighborhoods, there's there's a, just a laundry list of, of benefits to having that walkable city. And it, the amazing part is that co college campuses pull this off. I mean, they actually are able to do this versus cities doing this or cities having a hard time doing this. And I think it's part of that is just because they're designed that way. There are two factors. One, they're designed that way. And two, there's transit. So like even on the A&M campus, even if you couldn't get necessarily, you didn't want to walk to the game, there's an entire bus route on campus to take you there. So you can hop on a bus probably anywhere on campus and get to the game on game day. And I think that's the big, big challenge here. The big difference here is that a lot of the sports stadiums, yes, they're zoned for, for restaurants and, and retail and all that stuff all around it, 
but there's nothing to take you there other than your car. So if you're leaving the game and you want to go to a restaurant, now I'm competing with everybody else who's come to the game and is leaving. So it really is, really is that, that, that dichotomy, I guess, between the two, that you have a community that's really planned to be walkable, like a college campus versus a stadium that's sunk into the middle of a parking lot. And so, and, and why is this important? Why is this important? And I'm going to let Matthew answer that because I don't, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'd like to say I have a great answer for that, but, but I'm not really sure. But, but Matthew, I, I know you've, you've really looked at this and, and have, have put some more thought into this than I certainly have. It's, it's important for three reasons. The first reason that it's primarily important and, and everybody likes this one is it makes more money for everyone by using zoning and planning to emulate a college dating experience. There's more money to be made for everyone involved from a government perspective. Taxes from local businesses are a lot greater than if you're just taxing a parking lot. And there's a flaw in professional sports stadium design in that we surround these stadiums with a sea of parking and it isn't doing anything the vast majority of the year. And it's actively prevents surrounding neighborhoods from developing into successful tax generating real estate for the local government. And this could be solved by including a greater density of useful buildings around the stadium. This problem has already been solved at a similar scale at the college level. Why can't we just scale it up? Local governments would or should appreciate and encourage this extra density and benefit from that development. Also, stadiums are a huge cultural investment that can benefit a surrounding neighborhood if that neighborhood isn't bulldozed for parking like Larry mentioned earlier. Restaurants, bars, hotels, grocery stores, there, there's all kinds of businesses that would make a killing before and after large events if there were space around a stadium for them rather than just a sea of parking lots. The neighborhood around a stadium can be as important as the stadium itself in many cases. And third, owners and investors should want to invest in a great fan experience because that will always attract more people, even if your team kind of sucks, like the Rangers have been. You know, and, and it's pretty simple math. More people equals more money. That's, I mean, that, that is why the Texas Rangers here in Arlington just invested in a brand new air-conditioned stadium. People don't want to be miserable going to and from the stadium just to sit in a 100-degree heat for three and a half hours for a game. So they improved the stadium to make the experience, or at least part of it, better. So... From a money perspective, it makes sense for everyone, but from an architectural perspective, it's also important because integrating stadiums into a more urban environment like college campuses do shows the value of a walkable city. If you're walking through a campus to get to a stadium, it's doing many things for you. One, the, the buildings are closer together because it's a campus, there's a limited amount of space. 
there's plenty of trees, and there's likely some water features. The combined shade and breezes that this creates is enough to make that walk bearable. The, the street and sidewalk temperatures are more likely to be bearable on a college campus than your average suburb as a result. And the frustrating part about this is, is the, the design consideration that this takes has already been implemented in communities around the world. Many ancient and medieval cities in the Middle East and around the Mediterranean have employed this strategy of clustering buildings close together and making the streets fairly narrow. And this allowed residents before, back before modern conveniences such as electricity and air conditioning to go about their lives in a hot environment in a more tolerable fashion. The clustered buildings so close together provided shade, which is, which is always good, and it added a wind tunnel-like effect that kept breezes flowing through the streets. Now think about applying that kind of strategy today to help protect people from the heat waves of global warming. As, it, as we mentioned at the beginning, it's hot outside right now, and, and climate change is only going to make that worse. We need to use planning and zoning in a similar strategy to help protect everyone from these warmer days, and walkable cities are a valuable case study in that effort. Use the built environment to work with you and not against you, as we've seen with these professional stadiums here in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, and there there are some notable exceptions to that because, and, and actually, we, this whole thing started. You sent me, you sent me a screenshot of a stadium somewhere in Europe, and you're like okay, that's a stadium. And all around it, it's that very dense urban European fabric that's been there for hundreds of years. And then the top picture was was a U.S. stadium, and it was like, what we've been talking about, stadium parking for miles. But there are some, some locations that are much notable exceptions to this. Two of them, there's the M&T Stadium in Baltimore, which actually is next to the Camden Yards where the Orioles play. And there is parking around the stadium, but there's also this urban fabric that's going on around it as well. So you have access to restaurants and clubs and other venues aside from just being at the stadium. So you can actually go enjoy yourself, come to the stadium and go back and enjoy yourself some more. The other factor that plays into this too is, and I think this is true of uh, true of any, any stadium that's in a dense urban environment, is that you're in a place that has transit. M&T Stadium has transit that comes to the stadium. And so you don't have to drive. You don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to deal with the heat. You just hop on the transit and come show up at the stadium, and, and that's done. And the U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis is the same way. It's this, there is parking around it, but again, it's it's still part of the urban fabric. Well, and, and the cool thing about the Minneapolis Stadium, that like most, a lot of those games are going to be played with snow on the ground and a lot of, and and this this the stadium in Minneapolis is beautiful it's an enclosed stadium it's brand new i think hks did it but the cool thing about it is because there's that city infrastructure around it that means that they've plowed the streets beforehand they've made taken extra precautions 
in the area around the stadium so that it's it's ready to handle this volume of of people coming in and if you're in the middle of nowhere in parking lotsville yeah, th- those same that same level of infrastructure just isn't there to take care of the people going to that stadium. So I think I think the Minneapolis Stadium is a really good example of integrating a a, a stadium into the city fabric specifically for that level of infrastructure and just the ability to 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 take care of the the surrounding areas for the people wanting to experience the place. Huh. That's interesting. I hadn't hadn't really thought about it that way because, you know, here we don't get much snow, and except, with the one exception of the ice sheet falling off the, the AT and T stadium and killing someone, um, generally we don't have to worry about that. But that makes sense. I hadn't really thought about it that way. So yeah, wow, huh? Okay, well, something else to to throw into the hopper and let roll around in my head for a while. <laughs> But if if you guys can think of any other places that any other stadiums that really are good examples of of places that have been incorporated into the urban fabric and really function well within the urban fabric without having the giant parking lots, please drop us a note because we would certainly like to add that to our list. And of course, you can always reach me, Larry, at spotteddogarchitecture.com or at spotteddogarch on Instagram. I'm not going to say Twitter anymore because that jackass, but just find me on Instagram. Oh gosh, I deleted the app already. I, I when it changed to the from the, the the bird logo to the giant X, I was like, nope, done with that. But anyways, yes, and you can find <laughs> you can find me on all the social media at adding arch and my website is addingarchitecture.com and you can find the podcasts at architecturegeeks.com or on our Instagram page at archgeeks podcast. So I think that's, we're going to wrap it up today. Thank y'all for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.